Good morning. Can I wish the dads amongst us a happy Father's Day and for all of us, actually, a happy Father's Day? I'm actually conflicted in wishing that because I recognise that for many people that happiness is potentially not a feeling that we have as we think about our dads. Uh, that there could be incredibly grateful admiration feelings as I have for my dad who passed away over 30 years ago and uh, I wish now I'd have expressed more to him my admiration and gratitude. But there also can be some uh, deep feelings of, of hurt and many deep feelings during today. Wishing a happy Father's Day is actually a very good segue into our topic for this morning as we consider further enlarging our capacities. And as Kev mentioned, we're today focusing in on our feelings, our emotions, our passions. As soon as we introduce that topic, it's actually in some senses reasonably controversial. Uh, in our society, the role of feelings and how openly we express and how you follow or don't follow your passions has become uh, quite a dilemma. Uh, my Father's Day began last Friday night when um, one of our uh, sons and his family visited us and I received uh, a copy of this book by uh, Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life. Now I've hardly read any of it so far but and some of you will know that Jordan Peterson is quite a controversial figure but in the foreword written by one of his colleagues uh, it says this but the story of the golden calf also reminds us that without rules we quickly become slaves to our passions and there's nothing freeing about that becoming slaves to our passions. It's also, to some extent, controversial within Christian circles. About four years ago, I had the opportunity to speak to, speak to a group of pastors in Sydney about well-being generally, finishing well, sustainability. And uh, as a part of that, I was only going to give about 10 minutes, but I was going to talk about emotional health, about our feelings and stewarding uh, those feelings well. I actually knew that for some of the people listening to me, it might be a bit controversial. So I was fairly careful. And after the 10 minutes, one of the pastors put his, hands up, his hand up and said to me, Keith, if I wasn't wanting to be nice to you, I would say that what you've just said is bull blip. Okay. What he was saying, I think, was feelings are not the central part of who we are. Facts. So concentrate on facts. And that 
that actually threw me back many years to a, uh, a little leaflet put out by Lay Institute for Evangelism on the four spiritual laws. And right on the back of that, there's the um, drawing of a train with a, an engine and, and, and uh, carriages and a guard's van. And it made sure that fact was in the engine and feelings were in the guard's van. Okay? And don't put them the other way round. And I get that. And, and it's really important that um, feelings don't actually become the master of our lives. They're a good example of something that's a great servant but not a good master. So what actually is the role of feelings within us as unified, integrated people? It's reasonably hard to delineate, but I think we all know just intuitively what I'm talking about when I talk about feelings or emotions. Some people talk about um, body, mind and soul. Where do feelings come into that? Um, Jesus, in his expression of the greatest commandment, said, love the Lord your God with all your heart your mind, your intellect and your uh, mind, intellect, your soul and your strength. Now, I'm not sure how you delineate those except to say that feelings are real, they're very powerful, it's very important that we have a good stewardship of our, our feelings. My understanding, and uh, it's, I'm not a philosopher, um, nor am I a theologian, so it's a more seat-of-the-pants understanding, and if you find I differ from Dallas Willard, take Dallas Willard. But my, my understanding is that um, feelings are a part of the heart, and the heart is the centre, biblically, and I think, realistically, the centre of who we are. Um, let me just try and illustrate why I think that the feelings come out of the heart and therefore reflect the centre of who we are. Just imagine that you are um, walking down the street and uh, I was mentoring with somebody a couple of days ago and they were talking about a significant hurt they had had fairly recently, so I said, to him, um, you're walking down the street and you see that person 50 metres away, what do you feel and what do you do? And the range there could be between running enthusiastically and oh, not during COVID, not throwing your arms around somebody, but being incredibly uh, enthusiastic about seeing that person to um, quietly crossing to the other side of the street and trying to ensure that the person didn't see you. What I'm saying is that that little scenario shows that one of the first and relatively important parts of every one of our actions and motivations is how we feel. And to some extent, how we feel dictates how we think. How we think dictates how we feel as well. So there's a real circular uh, motion there. 
but it's the heart that actually is the centre of who we are and our values. And uh, the heart is expressed by Jesus as the centre and reflecting our true values. You may recall that in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is talking about dietary stuff and whatever and, it, and then he says actually um, it's what comes out of the heart that is much more important than anything that you put into your body because out of the heart comes the reflection of our deepest personhood and values. So uh, we need to be aware of our feelings because in fact they reflect deeply uh, who we who we are. I would, and I believe this is mainstream theology. Uh, I would say very clearly that God is a feeler. God feels deeply. God is an emotional person. I don't think that's just us putting on to God who we are. There's a fancy word for that, but. Uh, I don't think it's that. I think it's that God actually in making us in his image has actually made us as feeling people. Now, I'll just scroll through a few um, very, very quick passages, Old Testament and New Testament, just to help us to know that I'm not, not making that up. Deuteronomy 12, verse 31, God hates it all with a passion. That might be a little bit jarring to you to know that God actually hates. What it's talking about is idolatry. And the reason why he hates it is that it doesn't do us any good. It puts us on the wrong path. It might actually wreck our lives. Um, and then uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians talks about the passion of God burning inside me. In other words, he's saying how I feel is actually a reflection of the passion of God. So we have a passionate God, a God who feels very deeply about his created world and about you and about me and how we're doing in life. And then um, back to Deuteronomy chapter 4. God, your God, is above all a compassionate God. Uh, I've talked about compassion before, but compassion with passion, with feeling. And it says God is above all a compassionate God. Now, that involves much more than feeling. And the deepest root of that compassion is not a feeling, but feeling is a part of who God is and how he relates to us and above all else. He's a compassionate God. When we come to Jesus, shortest verse in the whole Bible, John 11, Jesus wept at the death of a friend. He was sad and he wept. Jesus did not sin, so any of these feelings are not wrong. They're not sin. And Jesus was expressing them. And at one stage uh, in Mark chapter 3, 
talks of Jesus, he looked them, and these are the religious leaders who were um, self-righteous, he looked them in the eye, one after another, angry now, furious at their hard-nosed religion. Um, So Jesus, in his humanity, remains sinless, but he expressed a wide range of emotions. And he even expressed emotions that we might consider to be negative emotions or bad emotions, certainly emotions that don't feel very good, emotions that we would prefer not to experience. Can I suggest to you that the whole of the emotional range, the whole of the feeling range that we have as human beings is given to us by God and at least in God's initial intention and often in their first impact on us, they are constructive. They are good. For instance, um, anger. The basic reason why we get anger is that something has gone wrong, that there is an infringement of justice or of fairness, an infringement of um, something to do with uh, who we are and there needs to be some kind of signal and the God-given signal is anger. You can call it righteous indignation if you like but it's, it's anger. It's when it gets twisted and becomes self-centred in a way that is likely to be destructive, uh, then we find there becomes a dilemma. There's a very interesting set of expressions right through the whole Bible about God being a jealous God. Now, we don't, I don't normally think about jealousy as a, it's not a pleasant feeling and maybe not a constructive feeling certainly uh, under some circumstances. But the reason for God's jealousy is that he loves us so much that he doesn't want us to go in the wrong direction. He wants us to actually listen. So the initial part of jealousy even is a constructive recognising that there's something that needs uh, to be attended to. There's uh, a stewardship part of, of this, this uh, feelings and how we handle them and how we respond, especially to people. Um, I, I listen to the message when I walk most days and the other day just a little sentence just jumped out of me, out at me. It might be because I was um, thinking about this sermon, but it was in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 15. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. And it's in the context of forgiving other people that if we can't forgive others, then God can't. But the general principle is that um, God's... God's the power, God's the gas, God's the petrol, but we're actually steering the car, if I can use that analogy. 
and we're deciding when to press the accelerator and where to press the brake. So that there's a very important part that we play. I'm going to talk about God's part um, just in a, in, in a few minutes, but there's a very important part that we play in the stewarding of the whole range of our emotions. Uh, and there's teaching in the scripture about uh, how to do that in some particular areas. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes, in your anger, do not sin. Or in one, uh, one version, it is go ahead and be angry. In other words, it's, it's accepting that anger can be very constructive as an indicator that something's gone wrong. But do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Um, go ahead and be angry. This is the message. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. I think I may have used this uh, illustration before for some of you, but in my first ministry at Canley Heights in Sydney, I was asked by a couple whether I would help them in their marriage. I was very anxious about that. Um, I'd only just become married, so I didn't think I could be an expert on marriage in any way. Um, but when I got to them, I found out that, and they had young children, that they hadn't spoken to each other for the last three months. And so I asked a few, um, I thought they were okay questions. Now I think they were probably naive at best, maybe stupid. Um, I said, what, what went wrong? Neither of them could remember. I think I know what went wrong. Some little thing that one or both of them were upset or angry about, but they both went to bed that night and slept back to back and thought in the morning he'll apologise or in the morning she'll apologise. And three months later, it had not been dealt with in any way that was constructive. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath is such a beautiful, practical principle for sorting things out. Now, you might need to walk away for a while <laughs> to get that red-hot anger out of your system before you want to talk about it. So don't just say, we've got to sort this out now when you want to kill the person, basically. Um, so there might be a bit of a walk-away principle in the middle, but this beautiful biblical principle that says um, when it's the right way and the right time, sort it out. Um, there's actually two extremities, and I'm using anger just as an example here. There's two extremities of the way in which this feeling, which can be very powerful and very constructive, where this feeling could be very destructive. One is what I've just been talking about, where you put it down inside you and it festers away and may mean that a relationship um, is broken or 
significantly damaged for want of just working it through without name calling or history making or whatever. There's some good rules to fight fair and I suggest, you know, that they're really important rules. But the other one is just to let it blaze. Um, that's not constructive. So if you or I feel that uh, we want to get the other person and that's our major feeling, walk away for a while. Ask God just to help you to get... I ask God to help me get this back in perspective. Help me actually to get to the point where I can pray for that person or I can actually begin to feel for them rather than uh, against them so that there's a, uh, a capacity to recognise through some strategies that we steward well the God-given and beautifully colourful um, uh, part of our lives, which are feelings, that we steward them in very uh, constructive ways. I think there's one more area of emotional health that I'll deal with very quickly and that is the area of stewarding our emotional tank or our emotional resources. And I think this is um, a very important area for us in the Western world. And to some extent, thankfully, COVID has, um, has, has given a little bit of a break to some people. Uh, it might be a very traumatic break, but life for some people is less hectic. And can I, I just encourage, although that might be very, very traumatic or very difficult, redeem the time. Use it as an opportunity not to go as quickly because we're running out of gas in Western society. Um, uh, as you know, I mentor some uh, Christian leaders. The most likely dilemma for Christian leaders over the last 15 years, from my experience, is what's called burnout. And burnout is just emotional depletion. It just means you've been giving out more than you've been taking in. And that's where I use the analogy of the tank. And I ask people, and I ask myself, how full is your emotional tank at the moment? I even ask, give me a number out of 10, where 10 is completely full and naught is, I can't get out of bed. There's no capacity there. Incidentally, the average that I'm getting at the moment is between four and five. That's how difficult it is for many Christian leaders in the COVID situation. But this might be a God-given opportunity. I'm not saying God brought COVID on us, but it could well be that there's an opportunity to stand still for a while, not to give out, to realise even, and I encourage people, I encourage you as I do with myself, work out what drains you and what energises you. Um, what drains us tends to be where we um, feel like a failure or feel neglected or isn't one of our strengths. Not only that, 
what energises us. Often we enjoy, um, we're often fairly good at it. Um, that again isn't a, uh, you know, a total rule because there could well be some exceptions. But get to know what fills up your tank so that there can be a replenishing on a very regular basis. The whole idea of sabbatical or Sabbath rest is an inbuilt part of the way God created us. And it's a part that God wants to give us to slow down and to revamp and to recuperate our emotional resources. Because our emotional resources are our motivators. And if our emotional resources are running really low at their worst, you will, I will not be able to get out of bed in the morning because it all looks too hard. That's how important in the terms of well-being, the colouring of our lives in our emotional beings is. There's um, a, a fantastic passage in Romans chapter 12 and again, I think I may have used this before, but in the message it says... Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. That's a stewardship part. But just in closing, I want to say the most important thing about this and say it with as much passion as I can. The crucial issue is that on a 24-7 basis, we open ourselves up to the Spirit of God in us to change us so that our heart is different and therefore our feelings will be different. I hope, I hope that resonates in some way with you because I think it's incredibly important. God is about repairing uh, rejuvenating our hearts after they get hurt or they're going in the wrong direction. And God works internally inside us to change our hearts. He matures us. He brings us to the point where the reactions that we have to any particular situation are different because we are different. You see, our feelings are the servant of whatever our master is. And if our master is God, true Jesus, and the love and grace of God, that can change us to respond to different circumstances in different ways. And you know our feelings can wreck a day. You know, in 10 seconds, a day can be wrecked by even something that might seem relatively small like somebody ignoring you or passing a comment which is at least ambiguous and you've taken it negatively and you go from being a six or a seven to a three or a four almost immediately. I've found personally and as I mentor with leaders that a lot of the dilemmas that we face are actually not implicit in the dilemma, they're implicit in my response to the dilemma. And that includes my feeling, which motivates me maybe not to do something constructive, to actually do something uh, uh, different.
destructive in the situation. And this is where I want to come back and uh, somebody gave me this beautiful translation of um, the New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs. I've heard other people quote from it, but I hadn't known it very well. It's called The Passion. Um, can I read to you what I think has become for us uh, here one of the key um, scripture passages that we really value, and it's from Matthew 11 and verse 29. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. I love that when I read, I am your, Jesus is talking, I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to hear. This is calling us in the message to learn the unforced rhythms of grace to find the security of God's unconditional love deep within us so that our heart is changed from hurt and it might take some while for God to work in that. It's sometimes not quick. But we are able to have a changed heart. The, the power within us is God's power. We will still need to use the steering wheel or the accelerator. God's given us that incredibly... Um, gracious but powerful free will but if we would just learn of him go deeper into him it will change every part of us including our feelings can we pray together father thank you that you've created us in your image and that a, a part of that is that our lives can be colored and flavored through our feelings Thank you that we can commit our heart to you and therefore our feelings can be changed from the inside out. I pray that the feelings that we have even today during this Father's Day, that you will redeem them in ways that allow us to move in constructive ways and even potentially healing ways. Father, through the opportunity for you to work in our hearts and therefore to change our feelings we thank you that you change us from the inside out that you are able to allow us to be your light and your salt thank you in jesus name amen